Fudger moves on in and he scores! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Pod Street Bullies, Philadelphia Sports Network's flagship Flyers podcast. I am Derek Bob. And I am John Gove. What's going on, everybody? And for the first time in a few weeks here, I feel like we like have... two months. It's been a while. It has. We have a special guest with us here today. Yeah, we do. We have Mr. Mike Comito, team historian for the Sudbury Wolves, writer for the LA Kings, and author of Hockey 365. So, Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself, my man. Well, thanks for calling me a special guest. My mom will appreciate that. Uh, you know, <laughs> she said I was a, I've been a special boy since when I was born. So that's that's great. Uh, yeah, no, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, so I'm up in Sudbury, uh, Ontario. We're on the the team historian for the Sudbury Wolves. Uh, I do some writing for the LA Kings, and as you mentioned, author of Hockey 365, which is 365 short hockey history stories, one for every day of the year. Uh, there's a few flyer stories in there for sure. Uh, today I actually spent the day. It was the uh, there was a charity game in support of Neo Kids, which is a specialized uh, children's healthcare facility here in Sudbury. So we had some NHLers here in town, which is a rarity for Sudbury, Ontario. Uh, but we had uh, the Felino brothers were here, John Tavares, oh, cool. uh, Matt Deshane. It was a pretty good contingent that were they were playing against a group of doctors today in order to raise money uh, to establish a, a children's hospital here in northeastern Ontario. That's pretty. Oh, that's neat. awesome. Yeah. I have a question for you, Mike. I think you know a lot of people obviously know what a, a hockey writer does, but the, you have a unique title with team historian. Would you mind like just going into a little bit like what that entails? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, the Wolves were uh, – it is a unique role in, in hockey for sure. I mean, there's not a lot of – there's a few NHL teams that, that have the, the term or the title of team historian. The Blackhawks is one that comes to mind. Bob Verity, who was a longtime uh, reporter for the Blackhawks, he became the team historian after he kind of uh, retired, I guess, uh, unofficially. Uh, but for me, the, the role of being the historian is, I think, also kind of bridging the gap uh, between fans from past generations, right? So I think trying to tell the stories from the alumni that had come pre- previously to kind of bridge the gap with the players that we have on the ice. I mean, it is a unique undertaking at the OHL level because of the turnover. A lot of the guys aren't with the team for you know more than four years, right? Some of them are only there for a year or two years. So it's really kind of, I think, important, especially at that level, to capture the stories of those guys as a way to not only you know celebrate the team's heritage, but to, as a way to kind of link together groups of fans across generations. So and then a big part of that is obviously connecting with the alumni because, like I said, given the turnover you have at the OHL and the junior level, you know, it's great to kind of highlight the stories of these guys, not only the guys that went on to have great hockey careers, but it's also important at junior that a lot of these guys don't go on to have NHL careers, right? They, they have other important jobs that contribute to society in different ways. So I think it's important to kind of celebrate them as well because they made an impact on the ice uh, in, in here in Sudbury, but ultimately, you know, just because they didn't end up going on a pro career or an NHL career, that doesn't mean that anything that they've done since then is, is diminished in any way. For sure. Well, thanks. Absolutely. I mean, hockey's a lifestyle for a lot of these kids, you know, and it's it's cool to see them getting the exposure that they really deserve because the OHL, it's a competitive league, not just the OHL, I apologize, you know, even the CHL in general. Um, but we're really glad to have you on here. And we we did this because we had spoken previously and you said that 
forwards are kind of your specialty with the, when it comes to the Flyers, and one in particular, which I'm assuming we're all going to have on our list here for the top five. So we're just going to get right to it here. And I want to ask, right off the bat, diving right in, number five, top wingers for the Philadelphia Flyers. Who do you have on your list, Mike? So I, I cheated. I didn't even rank them. Um, you know, when I kind of oh. when I started thinking about it, but I, I but I will I will okay. rank them. I won't I won't I won't cop out. So I we, mean, we hate to put you on the spot here. <laughs> no participation trophies for everybody yeah, yeah. now, Mike. Come on. I, so I've been looking over the list that I have of these guys, and I'm like, I think I could do it on the fly. And I mean, happy to debate where you guys have some of these players. Let's see how how many of these uh, these guys that we have lined up. I mean, ultimately, I think it's kind of. Not that this was an easy or undertaking, but ultimately, if you're going to start, uh, if you're going to look at the wingers uh, in Flyers history, right? I think looking at the LCB line and then kind of removing Bobby Clark from that equation, you know, <laughs> there, there's two, right? So then you've got you've got to come up with the other three. So for me, um, number five, I I would put Reggie Leach there. Again, he's a, he's a, a guy I've kind of studied quite a bit in the past. Um, you know, he came from uh, he made his kind of made a name for himself as the you know in junior career he scored 87 goals with the Flin Flon Bombers which kind of began the nickname that he earned as the Riverton Rifle uh, and so after kind of going through his early NHL career with some other teams uh, with the with the Bruins and the Golden Seals he ends up making his way to the Flyers where he's where he plays with Bobby Clark who he played with in Manitoba so they kind of reunite uh, and obviously you know the story is the, the legend of, of Reggie Leach is, is, is pretty well known but I think it's worth kind of repeating that you know that 75-76 season he's just he leads the league in goals 61 goals and in 51 of those right even strength which again is is, is pretty impressive that uh, you know he's, he's picking those up at even strength and that's because of how great of a, of a scorer he was I think of of his generation or of his era anyway like he was one of the premier snipers and so one of the things that, in talking to people about Leach and, and how well he found the back of the net, the big, big thing they always say was that he always just had that booming shot, but he was still deadly accurate, right? Again, hence the rifle. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's that kind of speaks for itself. Ultimately, I think it's it, it's impressive what he was able to do in the time that he was with the Flyers, but ultimately, you know, his his I, his career was limited by he did battle alcoholism. Uh, so, I think ultimately had you know he's been 30 years sober, and it's it's been really impressive what he's done since he went into rehab. In '85, uh, but ultimately, I think you can't under understate, you know, the impact that he had in that that short time. Again, I think still the 19 goals he scored in 16 playoff games in '76. You know, the Flyers came up short, but he was still awarded the Conn Smythe, which again, no other skater uh, outside of goaltenders has won the Conn Smythe as a member of the losing team. Everybody knows that that Leach is that guy, but still, I think that you know, 19 goals uh, in such a short span is is pretty impressive, and I think that's why I have him. In my top five for sure. And he actually, he's tied with Yari Curry for that record with the 19 goals, but he did it in less games, which I thought was pretty impressive because, I mean, when you're talking Yari Curry, you know, that's, everybody knows that name. And to build off your 75-76 season, uh, that record, it's a record, 61 goals. No one's topped that for the Flyers since. Mm -hmm. Um, So that just speaks to how impressive that season was for him. Yeah, no, and then I mean, and then also that same season he got to be a part of the Canada Cup, representing Team Canada at that tournament. He obviously had a pretty big role there, and I mean, we're also glazing over the fact that he had five goals in one playoff right. game in that '76 run too. So Very I mean, true. he's he uh, he was no stranger to finding the back of the net and lighting the lamp. Oh, for sure. Uh, part of that 35 game unbeaten streak, 22 game home unbeaten streak as well mm-hmm. in 1980. Uh, eighth all time in games, fifth all time in goals, eighth all time in points. 
He averaged like 64 points a season and 38 of those are goals. I mean, that, that's – I mean, what else is there to say? <laughs> Where did you guys have him on your list? I personally um, put him fourth. Okay. Yeah, I I like to try to – it's tough for me because I'm young. And I never grew up watching guys like Reggie Leach and some of the names we're going to mention here later. So I feel like I need to pay those guys respect because a lot of people that did get to see them – are seeing the guys now and it's like it's just it's so tough it's so difficult because it's a different game now as it was as opposed to what it was back then but mm-hmm. i mean you still can't dispute the fact that that man just had a knack for finding the back of the net oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. where did you have him john i had him fifth haha <laughs> way to go mike yeah um no i uh it's funny too because if you look at like where he ranks all time with scoring and things like that and you don't pay attention to the postseason which would be foolish but he does he wouldn't make the top five but it's what he was able to do in the flyers heyday you know those the years we won the stanley cup championship and made it to the stanley cup finals that really stands out and it's like you have to make this guy a part of your list oh absolutely i think you know if i'm gonna i guess well i'll hold off on who my number five is because i feel like we might touch on him here in a bit um, but if we're going to move on, if the, is there anything else we'd like to add to the Reggie Leach discussion for number five? No, I'm good. I agree with Mike. See, I'm the outlier here. I don't like this. I already <laughs> feel like I'm getting ganged up on here. But regardless, we're going to move on to number four. So, Mike, who do you have as the fourth greatest winger for the Flyers of all time? Well, like maybe this is where we diverge. And, you know, you, you agree with me on that first one. But we'll see how far off track I get from where you guys are. And how you rank them. And again, me just kind of putting this together in my ranking right now. So I'm going to go I'm going to go with Mark Recchi at number four. Again, um, he's a guy who had two stints uh, with the Flyers. Uh, 232 goals uh, total. Uh, and for me, you know, obviously a big part of that is, is obviously he was great playing with, uh, with Lindros. Um, you know, part of that, uh, that, that crazy eights line with, with Fedek as well. And so, I mean, you look at his back-to-back 100-point seasons, those obviously speak for themselves. That 123 points that he, he racked up in 92-93 is still a Flyers franchise record uh, for most points in a season. Uh, and then when he came back in his second, second stint with the Flyers, sorry, uh, during that, uh, I guess, 98 uh, to 2003 period again, he still uh, put together another 91-point season. He was a finalist. Uh, for the for the Lester Pearson, which is now the Ted Lindsay Trophy, uh, so again, I think just what he brought to the team in terms of uh, you know his his playing style and his his ability to kind of find chemistry with those players, obviously fill the back of the net, set up guys as well. I think it's just one of the reasons why I have him here. Ultimately, I think you could probably have him higher on that list depending on how you you view that era in, in Flyers history. But ultimately, for me, I just I feel like because of his. I guess because we're looking at it in two different eras that he was with the Flyers, I put him at four, but I mean, you could arguably move him up and down. Uh, so I'm curious to see what you guys think of that and, and where you have him or if you have him at all. Oh, boy. Well, oh, let me be the outlier this time. Let me be the outlier. All right, John, you take it, my man. <laughs> he's not on my list. <laughs> oh, he's not. Uh, I, I didn't put him in my top five. Oh, he's not on your list either. He's not on my list either. And But it, it hey. was very close. Very close. Oh, I, I mean, I think we talked a little bit about it, Derek, but I had six names too, and I really needed to add somebody else to the list, which knocked him off. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it's it's nothing against what Mark Greckie was able to accomplish. I mean, and we don't need to rehash it. You you said it all. Um, there was just somebody that I felt really strongly about being in my top three that I don't think it's all the credit in the world. So, uh, yeah, Mark Greckie was kind of the odd man out for me. It's it's He's impressive. There's no doubt about it. I mean, crunching even just a little bit of numbers, in his first stint with the Flyers, he averaged per full season 115 points. Now, it's only over a two-year because he played two full seasons with his first stint, I believe. But then his second full stint with the Flyers, um, he averaged about 72 points with the with them uh, per year. Uh, the Ted Lindsay Award, not the Ted Lindsay, Lester B. Pearson, I apologize. Um, he's in the Hockey Hall of Fame as of two years ago. The guy, and he's in the top ten in most categories when it comes to Flyers wingers right now. Uh, six-time All-Star. It's just, it was very difficult for me to leave him off the list. And that just speaks to how great of wingers the Flyers have had, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'll, I'll be honest, too, that I have six guys. on. So I made two lists. I did one last week, and then I did one again today. And the one I did today has six guys. And so we'll all save him for the end, though. But I think arguably I had I had a lot of trouble kind of weeding it down to the five, right? Because, I mean, there's even another guy that I could probably have seven where they'd all, I think, have genuine cases to be in that top five. So we'll, yeah. see. we'll see. So then if you don't have him on your list at all, and I have him four, and we kind of agree with Leach in that four to five, who do you guys have then at, at your four slot? Do you want to take this, Derek? I already said I had Reggie Leach at number four. Yeah, um, no, you did. I'm just waiting because I feel like one of you guys will have my number five higher, and that just speaks to me being a dope, I guess you could say. Um, but, but regardless, <laughs> so he might be my number four. Yeah, we're, if if we don't touch on him, you know, I'll touch on him afterwards. But you know, I, I'm just, I'm really. This is we've done two episodes now on this um, the past two weeks, and I just finding out other people's takes compared to mine, and vice versa. I'm sure is really interesting because it's like what do you weigh you know what stat what you know accolade can you weigh to find out whether this guy is top five material one two three whatever it may be um but i mean that's right now should i get should i give my number four i think you should give your number four all right uh john leclerc yeah oh yeah i I have him as three yeah i this is where it's going to get spicy. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, listen, again, I feel like you could just kind of put a bunch of these guys into one of those bingo things and pull one out at certain times and wherever they wound up, you'd be fine with. Um, I mean, 333 goals, 310 assists and six, it's 643 points in 649 games while with the Flyers. I mean, the one of the greatest lines in Flyers history with the Legion of Doom. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I was talking about the Legion of Doom earlier with my wife. I don't think she was that into it, but uh, Leave it. I kept calling it. I kept calling, <laughs> it I kept calling it the Legion of Boom, and I was like, I've I've got to stop that now. That's because the Seahawks. I wasn't me- <laughs> Is it the Seahawks? Yeah, I mean, back when their defense was like the, one of the best in the league and one of probably the best ever. But we're a hockey podcast. I digress. Right. But I think <laughs> the the cool thing. I mean, I guess cool is such a lame word, but the miraculous thing about LeClaire is that he had three consecutive 50-goal campaigns, five straight 40-goal seasons, and he scored 20 or more goals in eight seasons. I mean, what more could you ask from a guy? It's yeah, impressive. No, yeah, and he was also the first, first American-born player 
to do uh, three consecutive 50 goal campaigns too. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, like that line is just so prolific, not only for the fact that, you know, they were able to just rack them up, but also you could never get them off the puck. Um, it was obviously a big physical line as well. They had all of the, the skill, speed, goal scoring ability, but also the size and the brutality that, you know, obviously gets you a nickname like the Legion of Doom. Um, there's this one, I mean, it was a good quote that I found when I forget who was trying to summarize, uh, when you're playing against Legion of Doom at the time was that. You know, once they dumped the puck in the corner, regardless of which corner it was, no defenseman was strong enough to stop that line. Even if you had a big, tough defenseman, there was only one of them out there, and there were three of these guys. So basically, when they were on the ice and they had the puck, you were you were kind of doomed. You weren't going to get it off. You weren't going to get away from them. And chances are, if they had it, they're probably going to do something dangerous dangerous with it. So um, he had all that as well. Again, I also like it too. I also like Leclerc because he was a two-time winner of the plus minus award, which is uh, a statistic of mine that I, that I loathe, but I love, I love the debate around plus minus. So I'll, I'll take any <laughs> chance to bring up that there once was a plus minus trophy that the NHL used to get out. <laughs> it was Art. previously sponsored by, uh, I think an airline company and then Alka-Seltzer had brought in and it was the Bud Light <laughs> plus minus award. It's, it's great. I, I did a little story about it for sports and a few years ago. So just kind of, when I saw that, in my research, I'm like, oh yeah, there we go, plus minus plug. Now, are you familiar I, with uh, Mr. Stevie Heat Maps? <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, well, I, Mike, I, I hate to sound kind of rude here, but you need to listen to a couple of our prior episodes. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> it, he's a he, he's yeah. a fictional, not so fictional character that we've made up of just somebody who only pays attention to like fancy stats. Oh okay. There's no such and thing I'm, as the eye test with him, apparently. <laughs> and like some of the categories he that they can come up with it just blows our mind you know like the five verse three against 28 year olds while having one skate untied and an <laughs> earring playing and opposite right hand ear. right <laughs> so i i'd be remiss if i didn't admit this um growing up my mother actually taught me a lot about the sport of hockey and i love the woman to death her favorite player all time for the Philadelphia Flyers is John LeClaire. And I put him at number five. How's I, your mom going to feel about that? That's She doesn't listen. I've tried to get her to listen. <laughs> She's one of those moms that, you know, how do I work Apple Apple Podcasts? How do I do this? And I'm trying to set her up, and she's like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, you're a teacher. You know, you've got all summer. You just lay around. Just listen to us. But <laughs> anyways, um, Leclerc, it was very close for me. I, I wanted to put him at three, actually. Um, but I just, man, it was very difficult just because you don't want to say, obviously, he was not a product of the line that he played on with Lindros and Renberg, the Legion of Doom. But, like, let's be honest, you could put somebody other than Leclerc and they'd probably still do pretty well. And that mm. might be unpopular opinion. It might be unpopular opinion. I'll accept that. Hmm. It doesn't negate the fact that the man was still a, a terror on the ice. Those 50-goal seasons, three in a row. What did you say? Five or six 40-goal seasons in a row as well? Five straight. Five straight. I mean, yeah. that, that's still. You can't take anything away from that. Um, he averaged about a point per game with the Flyers. Uh, averaged about 64 points a year, a season. He, let's see here. I actually didn't write these down, so I'm not going to waste time here. But, I mean, also, and I found this pretty interesting, he averaged about one minor penalty every other game, which, like, 
I think speaks to his efficiency. He was always on the ice and he wasn't making these dumb mistakes to get him put in the box. Which, you know, hearsay or here, there, whatever, you know, however you believe, you know, the penalties go and everything. But that's still pretty great that he could avoid mm-hmm. sitting in the penalty box every, you know, for every other game, essentially. Yeah. Can I touch on one thing with the plus minus award? No, you can't. Please. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, I I get that it's a flawed stat. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that like it should be the be all end all. But if it's a drastic plus, I think you must be doing something right. It's you know better. What I mean, to, it's. I think you touched on this a couple episodes ago. You'd rather have somebody be a plus fifty four than a minus fifty four. Right. I mean, if you're like averaging plus three, like okay, whatever. But like, if it's crazy, and I don't know what the plus minus number for him was. I, just, I don't know if anybody has it up, but yeah, like it was plus forty four and plus thirty six. So he was definitely doing some things right. That's for sure. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so Stevie heat maps can't even argue with that one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all right. So Mike had Leclerc at three. Yes. Now we get into the top two. Yep. So you want me to go with my two? Because you guys, who do you have at three then? Uh, should we save him as the outlier for the end? Because I have a feeling he's your six. He might be. Or huh. should we just t- should we do him now? I'll tell you what. I'll give you my three real quick. Disagree, discuss, whatever you may. I put Brian Prop. Me too. I just, man, I spent way too much time looking at his whole career. And I came away ridiculously impressed. Um, you know, aside from the early on where he, you know, he drafted 14th overall by the Flyers in 79, 75 points in 80 games as a rookie. Uh, he only trailed Wayne Gretzky in playoff scoring in 1987, and he led all left wingers in games, goals, assists, points, plus minus, power play goals, shorthanded goals, game winning goals, shots. But still lost the finals that year. And this was in the playoffs, I should say. I, I should have specified earlier on. But they still lost the Stanley Cup finals to Edmonton in Game 7. Um, but in the 80s, an entire decade, he led all left wingers in games, assists, plus minus, game-winning goals, shots, defensive point shares, playoff goals, playoff points, playoff power play goals, and playoff shots. When you lead that many categories, you're pretty damn good. I mean, you know, he the only thing I think that, you know, it's a shame to see it was the Chelios hit, you know. Right. Uh, when he got hit in the 89 playoffs against Montreal, Chelios just popped him right in the head with the elbow and took him out, and he just wasn't the same ever since. You know, he put up, I guess, that next season was when it kind of started the downhill slide. It was the first season, I believe, or maybe I'm reading into somebody else. Um, but he was 10 straight seasons of at least 66 points. And that was from 79 to 89. And Mm -hmm. that's when he started sliding off after the Chelios hit, um, which I thought it was great that Hextall went after him. I I love Hextall, (laughs) contrary to my goalie rankings. Um, But second overall in games, second overall in goals, first overall in assists, second overall in points for the Flyers wingers, Flyers Hall of Fame in 99. The guy just – the stats speak for themselves. I really can't add any more to it. <laughs> well, neither can I because you said everything, but I have Brian Prop at three, too. <laughs> I have a knack for those kinds of things. <laughs> yeah, I had – he was – he's on that that, lo- that extended list that I have. And, um, again, 
we, we can't we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the the guffaw the celebration obviously that's that's a big part of of his lore as well so i mean um yeah it, this was a tough a tough exercise at that point and again because for me also again kind of living outside of the you know the flyer sphere for him and when we have like the talk about the underrated section you know, like that's where i kind of had him also in that as well because for me, me at least as an outsider you know when you talk about some of the flyers greats especially in this top five and more broadly you know his name isn't kind of talked about in the same way at least from my perspective that the other names that we've talked about and other guys we've talked about in past episodes right and so that's kind of why i had him in there but i mean like 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 think you like you both just said you had him on your list that he could easily you know be in that five he's he's on the the bubble of mine you know and it's interesting that you bring all that up mike because i think what drove me to put him up to three was when i was looking at all the numbers and where everybody ranked it his name just kind of like came out of nowhere. And I'm like, whoa, look how on top of all of this he is. <laughs> yeah. You know, which I, I almost, I think it was more of an emotional decision at that point too, because I almost felt like he didn't get enough recognition where it was like, oh, listen, I'm putting this guy in my top three. People can yell at me later. Underrated sections to come here, so let's not get too carried away. Right. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you're right. Uh, just the career of Brian Prop. I mean, you can't dispute the fact the guy's the second leading goal, their second leading point scorer for the Flyers wingers uh, to this point. Um, right. So moving on to number two overall, Mike, who do you have at number two? I have the Sultan of Slot, Tim yes. Kerr. Yes. Yep. So I, I uh, again, I had to, I had to. I had him high uh, for obvious reasons. Those four straight 50-goal seasons uh, was was a big part of it, including those two back-to-back 58-goal campaigns. Um, he still, you know, he still has a ton of NHL and, and Flyers records uh, in that season that he scored um, the 58-goal campaign. The first one, I think, was the year that he had the 34 power play goals, which is still an NHL record. Um, again, he's got a, uh, some other nice playoff records as well with the four goals against the Rangers in one period. Eight minutes uh, got three... and sixteen seconds. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I mean, and, and the and the great part about his story too is that he was signed as an undrafted free agent and then goes on to accomplish all of this. I mean, ultimately, his career was limited by you know early on was limited by knee injuries. He was kind of never really completely in the lineup for those first few years, and then he takes some big steps uh, in the mid '80s, and then you know goes on to have these four fifty goal campaigns. But then after that, you know, he runs into some shoulder problems as well, which limits his effectiveness. Um, so ultimately it's kind of, it's, it's interesting if you look back and, and you think about, you know, we always, there's always that thing that's floating around on Twitter, like would athletes, would you like to go back and, you know, remove an injury from them, see right. what their career could have been right. But like, yep. it's all these what ifs with these players. And I mean, ultimately injuries are part of the game and they shape the trajectories these players go on and, and how they end up where they are. But, but it's interesting to think, you know, given all he accomplished in those four seasons, um, you know, what, what could he have been capable of had he been able to stay healthy early on in his career and then in the latter half avoiding shoulder injuries because he had I think it was five or six shoulder uh, procedures in a 14-month span Jeez. with that 87-88 uh, that season where he only played eight games. So, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of games to, to miss and ultimately given that, that time on the shelf, that's obviously going to impact your game uh, for sure. He was yeah. a big, like... I I looked into him a lot too, like I said about Brian Prop, because just the you could call it essentially an anomaly. This man was tough as nails coming back from these injuries. The five you said, uh, Mike, five shoulder injuries, 
And he only missed like a handful of games, which mm-hmm. blows my mind because someone in today's NHL has shoulder surgery, five five separate shoulder injuries, they're going to miss more than a handful of games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, sep- I, go ahead. I'm no, sorry, go John. Ahead. No, go, go. All right, September 85, he was hospitalized with aseptic meningitis, recovered, scored 58 goals that season. 58 the next season. Only he was he was second in scoring for that year with goals, I should say. First place that year, Wayne Gretzky. That's wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was uh, he was definitely. I mean, and that's the thing is you talk about like, you think of like the nickname the Sultan of Slot. Like the when I think of that, I think of like somebody who's like this like little sneaky, crafty guy, and it certainly was. But he was a big guy. He was six three two thirty, right? So it's it's right. not exactly as if he was just like un undetectable on the ice, but but certainly he was. He was very resilient, and again, you talk about like coming back, you know, given the injuries. I mean, there was even one where, um, in the the start of the nineteen ninety ninety one season with the Flyers, his wife had suddenly died after giving birth to their third daughter, and he came back two weeks later. And I mean, I don't know how his what his state of mind could have been like for the rest of that year, given everything that he had to deal with, and you know, everything that was going on in his life uh, to be able to even come back and right. play that season after something like that happening um, is is pretty crazy you know and it's interesting too i think in the sport of hockey in general you know how much of warriors these guys really are i mean if you look at this compared to any other sport just how big the sport of hockey is to them where it doesn't matter what happens they're going back on the ice and they're going to give it their all it's just crazy to see in general i mean and when a guy can be that successful with all of those obstacles it's just it's just unbelievable yeah and i mean his, uh, along with everybody else we've discussed, his stats speak for himself, speak for themselves, I should say. Um, he's my number two as well. There's, yeah, I think the top two here might be unanimous between the three of us. <laughs> Listen, if if Mike, if Mike has if Mike throws a, thir- a curveball here, we're just gonna delete this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling he might not do that, but I've been surprised before, and. Yeah. I'd be. I'm definitely ready for number one here, uh, John. You had Tim Kerr as number two as well. Yeah. Yep. Yes. So number one, we get to the best winger of all time for the Flyers, Mike. Please take it away. I mean, I don't think this should be a surprise given how I kind of let off how I did my uh, my right. calculations for this list. But I obviously have Bill Barber, uh, number one. Those 420 goals uh, are obviously a pretty nice number. Uh, but the great thing for me about Barber is just not only was was obviously was able to kind of obviously find that chemistry with uh, with Leach and and Clark in that 1975-76 season, especially where they uh, kind of ate up every other line in the league, scoring 322 points. Uh, but again, he kind of did it all as well. He was a skilled forward, but he was also really great at drawing penalties. Uh, but in addition to that, you know, he was a well-rounded player, so you can get him to do. All the things that he did well on that line, um, you know, he could set up, he could be the trigger man, but he was also kind of, he could be the shutdown guy as well. Um, and it's just, it's impressive if you go back and look at his career. You know, he came in when he was drafted by the Flyers and came into the organization. He was drafted as a center. Fred Shiro moved him to the wing. Ultimately, that was a pretty great move because he, he obviously slotted in very nicely uh, with Clark and Leach. Uh, never scored less than 20 goals in any, in any NHL season. Um, and again, we talk about the Legion of Doom line being able to eat any other line for lunch, but that LCB line, uh, that was a line that could eat any other line for lunch, just given the skill 
uh, and everything else that kind of went with that Hockey Hall of Famer in 1990. So, I mean, hopefully this is a unanimous choice for you guys as well. Yes. Yeah. I actually yep. had Dale Weiss. Um, <laughs> I hate to be the bearer of bad <laughs> news here. but yeah. <laughs> No, Bill Barber, obviously. Uh, what, eight-time All-Star, Stanley Cups with the Flyers, both of the Stanley Cups that the Flyers have. Uh, the LCB line, like we've touched on, he at, he scored at least twenty goals in every season that he played for the Flyers. Yeah, and he was captain actually for from nineteen eighty one to nineteen eighty three, Hall of Fame in nineteen ninety, Flyers Hall of Fame in eighty nine. They actually retired his jersey too, which comes as no surprise to anybody who follows the team. Um, right, but he averaged, and I'll go back to this, like we spoke, I spoke about a couple players before this. He averaged seventy. Four points per season, which over mm-hmm. what is it, twelve years, I believe, is yeah. that's incredible. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know what's really cool too? If you kind of talk to a casual Flyers fan, you always just throw one at him and go, "Bill Barber is the Flyers' greatest first round draft pick of all time." Because they all go, "No, oh, it has to be Bobby Clark." Because they don't realize that Bobby Clark wasn't drafted in the first round. Yeah, yeah. second round. Yep. It was such a short draft, though, too. It was, what, like right. 12, 16 teams, something like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they it all they were all worried about, uh, at the time, given Clark as a diabetic. Right. They yes. actually weren't sure how that would work. So, like, yeah, every team passed on him. And then it was, I think, at the urging of one of the Flyers scouts who would obviously seen him in junior was saying, like, you have to take Clark now. Um, and so, they, and, I mean, a good thing that they did. Yeah, thank God oh, yeah. for that scout. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So, if we're going to move on from the top five, obviously we all agree with Bill Barber at number one. How, I guess I should say, I should ask, do you want to start with the busts? Do you want to start with most underrated? How do we? How do you guys want to do this? Mike, you're the guest. You pick. Well, I was going to kind of lean on you guys on that a little bit because when, I had, uh, when we had talked about this, I had actually just kind of, when I was looking at the busts, I forgot that we were thinking in the context of wingers. And I was just oh. like looking uh, overall. Yeah. So some of these might not be good fits, um, but but I mean certainly however you guys want to kind of take it away, I'm I'm game for that. All right. um, I mean I think the busts will go pretty quick too. So if we just want to do those, yeah, I do. I have yeah. a thing for the busts. I love talking yeah. about people that sucked when we expected them <laughs> to do well. So it's like we'll have some fun with this. <laughs> yeah. Um. So who's gonna start? I think he wants us to lead. He wants. Uh, us to I, kind of lead it there. If you, if you don't mind, I'd love to start with my number three. Number three Go for bust. It. I've got Pat Falloon. Okay. Pat Falloon was traded to the Flyers in 1996 for a first rounder and a fourth rounder. And Martin Spanel, San Jose, was the one who traded Falloon. These picks that the Flyers traded, the first round pick, Daniel Briere. Second round pick was... Mike Martone, which, you know, I don't know much about Mike Martone, so I won't speak about him too much. Pat Falloon just, he played three years, 144 games, 38 goals, 45 assists, 83 points in 144 games, which isn't bad. It's not terrible, but he's not, I mean, you gave up a first and a fourth rounder and somebody else as well, an actual skater. It's it's a hefty price to pay. Considering the fact, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but that first round pick ended up being Danny Briere, and yeah, the Flyers got him for a few years later on. But it would have been nice to have him, you know, during his Sabres years, his Phoenix years, 
Um, right. Or Phoenix, Arizona, right. whatever you want to call them now, I guess. But <laughs> that's that's my number three. They're actually going to be the Glendale Coyotes next year. Glendale? I thought they were going to be Tucson. No, nah, yeah, that's the year after. They're just going to keep jumping. Ah, okay. Ah, <laughs> nice contract, <laughs> you, I guess. <laughs> do, you, do you know anything about Pat Falloon, Mike? Yeah, I was going to say, like, the interesting thing about him, especially in the in the context of Flyers history, is that he was the, he was the one that was taken second overall after Lindros in 91. Oh. And then there's that there's that saying that Alexander Degg said when he was drafted first overall that I'm glad I went first overall because nobody remembers who goes number two, which obviously proved to be a very uh, poor choice of words because the number two person in his draft was Chris Pronger, and obviously he went on to have a Hall of Fame career. But I bring up <laughs> Alexander Degg because... Falloon was actually part of that package um, that they when they sent him to Ottawa, Dag came back uh, to the Flyers. So there you go. Very Wrapping true. Wrapping it all up. All right. Um, so I, for my number three, I had Claude Bovin. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I don't want somebody to yell at me for pronouncing it wrong. Um, so it was in the 1988 draft. The Flyers, I guess, tried to move up to either take Timo Solani or Rob Brendamore. That would have been nice. <laughs> But they couldn't, so they ended up taking Bovin um, with the 14th overall pick. Uh, I guess, he, you know, from what I was able to take from this guy, he, he had a successful minor league hockey career, but it just could never translate to the NHL. That's, that categorizes a bust, yeah. you know? Yeah, well, that's kind of the way I went with all these. Yeah, I've got my top two, I should say, are guys that just didn't pan out from the draft. Um and if we're going to continue to number two, I'll go Ryan Sittler. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure you guys are familiar, correct? Uh, you're at yeah, least he, familiar with his father. Yes, yes. definitely. Uh, Sitt, Ryan Sittler was drafted seventh overall in 1992 and played college hockey at Michigan, which is a pretty good program. And just he flirted between the AHL and ECHL. Injuries cut him down around 25, mm. never made it to the NHL. And it, it's it's a shame. I guess there's more of a disappointment factor as well. I go with a lot of like disappointment factors for my busts. But still, like I mean, you, you used the first-round pick that you had that year, which happened to be seventh overall, on a guy that never really played a game for you. So that's a bust in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, Mike, maybe you know this. Was there anybody taken directly after him? In the 92 draft, that makes you go like, oh, they should have taken that guy. Um, not not immediately after, but I mean, if you look at like who else went in that first round of that draft, I mean, you've got Sergey Gonchar went 14th overall, Martin Straka 19. Um, so it's it, it's 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 fortunate that you never want to be the guy where somebody immediately after, because um, I, I believe in this case it was Brandon. Uh, Convery, the Leafs took him again, um, but not not anywhere in a situation where you'd want to be like, oh, they should have taken him. But but certainly, obviously, we can go back and you look at those other rounds. There's other players that you probably would have right. panned out. Oh, sure, uh, a little bit better. But yeah, it's always it's fun. There's when you play that draft, that redraft game, right? The rules yeah. I always like is like plus or plus or minus or no, sorry, minus five after that pick is is reasonable because everyone could always be like, well, you could have taken right, you know, Henrik Zetterberg in the seventh round. But it's like, but no, everybody passed on him. You know, yeah. seven times before that, right? So that's not really a fair comparison. It's got to be kind of within the ballpark. So at least yeah. in that draft, particular draft, there wasn't anybody immediately in that in that zone. Right. No, that's funny because we did a few 
um, episodes leading up to the draft where we did that whole redrafting thing, mm-hmm. and we we did the same thing where we were we were a little more lenient. We were like if it was in that same round, but uh, yeah. yeah, I had Ryan I had Ryan Sittler at my number one. Oh. So, and, and I think the reason really that I went with it was just because seventh overall pick. Um, you know, this is when the league started to get bigger. My number two guy was uh, Bob Courier. Mm-hmm. So he was the Philadelphia Flyers picked him six overall in the 1969 NHL draft. Uh, he never played an NHL game. The reason he's number two and not one for me was just because it was really early on, you know, in the in the Flyers existence. Um, I'm assuming the scouting just wasn't as advanced as it was in the 90s. Um, I might be wrong, but I'm just assuming that that's the case. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for somebody to be drafted six overall and never play an NHL game, it's got to be a bust. So that's kind of the opposite reason why I had Courier as my number one. Okay. Because it's early on. You kind of cut them like a little bit of a break. You give them a little bit of slack. But you're drafted one position higher than Sittler. And you look at that draft. And obviously, like we've been talking about with hindsight, Ivan Bolderev, I believe I could miss pronunciate his name as well went 11th overall to boston uh 1052 games 866 points dupont actually went eighth Mm. and so like they could have drafted dupont right away which you know okay but they ended up getting him anyway and that was the same draft that philadelphia scooped up mr bobby clark with the (laughs) 17th overall pick in the second round yeah but so, Mike, is there anybody on this? I mean, that we didn't include that kind of sticks out to you as a bust. I mean, I know it was tough because give you like the winger thing, but Mike didn't give his first bust, his uh, number one overall. I don't believe. Well, because I didn't really do my homework. Right. That's, That's okay. why. But I, I do have uh, Patrick Ulan was a uh, was a Swedish forward that or Swedish winger, sorry, that they drafted in '89, uh, 34th overall. He only played 56 games. And so, although I just said that you should only do the redraft minus five, (laughs) I'm going to, for the sake of this argument, give it a little more flexibility. So that draft, 53rd overall was Nick Lidstrom and 74th overall was Sergei Fedorov. So that's one where, again, um, you know, he was... uh, he had, he won uh, not not gold, but you no, know, he did win gold. But that in '94 at the Lillehammer Olympics with Sweden, but but ultimately, obviously, couldn't put it together at the NHL level. So that's that's the one guy that I had on my list who qualified as a winger. That's a punch to the gut when you find out that you didn't draft Nick Lidstrom <laughs> like that. Oh, that hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Just hearing it, you know. <laughs> so busts, we can put that to rest now. We're going to get to the underrated. We'll end on like a good note because these guys are typically the good guys that don't get the credit that they deserve. I'm anxious to hear these because much like Mike has discussed, I didn't really put much of a ranking to these guys, but I've got a couple that I'm pretty high on when it comes to being underrated. So, Mike, would you like to lead this or should I pass this on to John as well? I mean, I you, you pass it to John. I think I kind of already mentioned one of them earlier in our conversation about props. I mean, like right. that's kind of where I would, I we kind of already touched on him, but I he's definitely on my list. Like you said, I don't have like a ranking because to rank them as underrated. I mean, he'd probably be at the high point of that list just because he was on that like that short list of two players I had that didn't really make the top five. So that's kind of where right. I, I see him kind of slotting in there. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree with Mike. He's he's on my list. I did try to rank them, but it's a joke of a rank. I mean, they're all just kind of on the underrated jumble. But the first guy that um, I have on my list is Sean Podine. Nice. Yeah, um, and I'm just showing some love to a winger that, you know what, he didn't produce a lot of offense, but when it came to being a, a, two-way, a two-way forward or a defensive forward, he was one of the best at his time. I actually pulled a quote from Brett Hall. Um, in 1996, he deemed him the most underrated defensive forward in the league. And I think when Brett Hall says something like that, you know, you deserve some recognition. Did and you not typically, see the Stanley Cup parade, though? Like, let's let's be honest, Brett Hall's... I think he's having hey, a little too much fun in his old age. Brett Hull's my hero, okay? <laughs> I, I'm kidding. I can barely do that now, so. <laughs> you know. um, but, yeah, I mean, this is just kind of me showing some recognition to Podine because I think he had a, a great career. He was he was a master at what he was able to do, you know, and we're not all there to light the lamp a million times. So just showing some love. I like it. I like that pick. I think oh, thanks. three number – this was tough because you get to a category where there's so many players that you can choose from and you want to put this guy in your top five. And if we did a top ten, it would take seven hours to get through. But, like, <laughs> I guess in my opinion, I think just – and it was very small sample size here, but my underrated guy, Vili Leno. Huh. And it, it's interesting, and maybe he doesn't deserve to be number three, but – his run in the playoffs for the Flyers was, yeah, I shouldn't say unparalleled, but pretty darn close. You know, he tied a rookie record for most points in the NHL playoffs. I believe it was 2011 or 2010, the year they made the Stanley. Yeah. It was the year they made the Stanley yeah, Cup finals. The 2010. You're right. Yeah. Um, he tied Dino Cicerelli. I mean, that, Dino Cicerelli. Come on. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but not what 21 points, 19 games, seven of those being goals, 14 assists. His career with the Flyers is a bit lackluster. Um, but for his playoff accomplishments for a team that made the Stanley Cup finals, didn't win, but still made they were the best team in their conference. That's still pretty that, that weighs a little bit heavy on me. Didn't he get like a really hefty contract though because Buffalo. of that yeah. Buffalo signed him to a pretty hefty contract after that which he earned but didn't necessarily live up to no <laughs> uh Mike do you have another name besides for prop um yeah I, I had Simone Gagne on my list too um okay. just, just so that we could talk about the deuces wild line with him and Knubel and Forsberg uh but I mean obviously it's he's kind of in the more again part of that that run in 2010 as well so I mean he's kind of I don't know how underrated that would be as we kind of work like as as history or as uh we kind of get further along and you look back I mean because again we're really only like nine years removed uh from that from that really productive season that he had um so I mean it's I don't know if he should necessarily be underrated but he's a guy where I think that you know given where his career has gone since then that you know I think he could kind of be in that conversation but if you were to ask me again in five years would I have him on this list as the underrated not sure, but uh, he's on the list today. Right, and it's tough, too, because we're coming from two different places. As Flyer fans, right, for us, he's not underrated because we mm. all love Gagne. But, like, being on the outside, you might not see, you know, that as much as we do. Oh, yeah, and that's kind of why I thought that this would be – this whole episode would be an interesting exercise, right? Because admittedly, I'm not 
a Flyers fan. And so obviously my perspectives kind of come from my where how I view the game and some of the teams that I follow. Again, I, I write for the Kings. I you know grew up as a Leafs fan. Don't hold that against me. And so <laughs> my my opinions about these guys are shaped from a completely different uh, uh, different perspectives. But it is I, I am I do feel confident going to bed tonight that at least in that top five I wasn't completely out to lunch. <laughs> I'm gonna like, take oh God, if I go on this and I get gonna get murdered. But right. I, think, I think we survived. It was just... Oh for sure. Right. I'm gonna digress a bit here and tell you a quick story about Simone Gagne. I was in college, I believe it was my freshman or sophomore it was between my freshman and sophomore year when they made the Stanley Cup run. And I had been dating this girl who didn't have her cable set up yet, which strike number one, you know. But the, it, this was Game 7 against the Bruins, and we were listening to it on a radio. Like a, one of those radios, like boom boxes you can put the CD to and all that. Mm-hmm. We're outside drinking, having a good time, and there's this big storm that runs through and cuts out our service, and we can't hear anything. And I'm just like, man, if I don't hear the rest of this game, I'm going to lose my crap. So it cuts out, and then as soon as it comes back on, you hear the goal call when Gagne scores that fourth goal and puts oh, him God. up over. Dude, I'm not kidding you. I could have ran around that college campus naked. I was so happy. <laughs> like, it was it was phenomenal. Oh, um, man. But it, as far as my number two, I've got Renberg. He's kind of yeah. that forgotten guy from the Legion of Doom line. And I shouldn't say forgotten because, let's be honest, in six seasons, you know, he played 366 games, 296 points. That's some stellar numbers, but it's the fact that he was somewhat overshadowed by guys like LeClaire, guys like Lindros, mm-hmm. that kind of put him in the underrated category for me. I think it's fair. Yeah. yeah. So number one, do we have a number one? Uh, um, I do. Let's, let's, let's dive into this. I'm actually really interested to get Mike's feedback on this because this is me going off an assumption that non flyer fans underrate this guy or, or the NHL in general, uh, Claude Giroux. Oh, I, well, you know, you're going to categorize him as a winger or a center though. Well, I'll I'll make him an underrated center when we do that episode too. (laughs) But I just think as a player right now, he's a winger. So I put him on the winger thing. But for the Flyers, right, he is – he's our captain. He's our best player. You know, when he's successful, we're successful. I think Flyers fans feel like the NHL as a whole does not appreciate Claude Giroux the way we do. Um, you know, he, I don't know, to me, he's one of those top five forwards that doesn't always get the love that he deserves. Um, and I'm curious what you think, Mike. So this is actually really hilarious. Um, because this is one of these players that's, I've had a soft spot for Claude Giroux since 2010 and I'll explain how this all happened. So as, as an, as a non Flyers fan, um, in that 2009, like 2010 season, that was his first full season in the NHL. Right. And so admittedly, he wasn't really on my radar, and so we were. My buddies and I always do this annual playoff draft. We do it in person. There's always like thirty to forty guys. It's a bit of a gong show. It takes six hours. There's far too many beer. Um, <laughs> it's 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 terrible. So anyway, it was it was my first year joining this group of guys and their dads in this draft. And this was back. This was back. Obviously, we drank a lot more. So I mean, there's that's part of maybe the why this all worked out well, so well. So. The draft was going on really long in 2010, and like I'm running out of players to pick because 
Like I, we already picked quite a bit. We were going to the later rounds, and I think that was the year that the Flyers got in, like late in the season, and so there wasn't a lot of expectation right. around. And so Brian I, Boucher, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like I, we, I picked him in the in one of the really late rounds in the draft, like after I'd had quite a few beer. And the only reason I picked him is because like a few weeks earlier, I was out for wings and beer one night with uh, with some of the guys, and one of their dads was there, and somehow he mentioned Claude Giroux because he coached. His sons play hockey here in Sudbury, and they used to go up and play uh, the team in Hearst, yep. where Claude Giroux grew up mm-hmm. uh, before he before he moved to Ottawa and all that stuff. And he, I remember in this conversation, he was telling me he's like he had the best hands of any kid I had ever seen in all my years coaching. And so, <laughs> for some reason, whenever when it was our turn to draft, that little nugget about Claude Giroux's hands uh, <laughs> came into my head, and I told my buddy, I'm like, we got to take Claude Giroux. Like Brian was telling me about how sick he was when he was like, when he was playing like midget hockey so we have to take him and then obviously he goes in on a tear in that final and he became one of my favorite players just because you know i like i like the way he played and everything else and so that that's a guy who i'd always kind of targeted uh whenever i would do keeper leagues because i just i liked him uh you know as, as a player and, and everything else and so it's kind of funny when you mentioned that because when you said that is he underrated uh by everybody else outside of the organization that's a guy where like i'm yeah i'm i'm with you there for sure right awesome i like it I put Recky as my number one just by default because I didn't include him on my top five. Yeah, so respect. I mean, not not much more to say about Recky. We covered that. Right. <laughs> so that really caps it off. I mean, we've got the underrated, the busts, the top five. I I hate to do this because man, we've had a good time with you, Mike. Like, we've had a really good time discussing these forwards. I should say wingers. Um, but can you tell everybody in case they missed the first part of the episode, which I don't get why they would. Um, where they can find you, you know, what, what, tell us about you, Mike. <laughs> they, they all tuned out when I said I had Mark Recchi at number four. So, <laughs> so if you're, if you're coming in back right now, uh, hopefully I'm back in your good graces, but yeah, you can, um, uh, I, I do so I'm the team historian for the Wolves, So you can find some of my work there on the team's website. Uh, last year I wrote quite a few stories for them. I think this season we're kind of scaling down a bit, uh, moving forward. I'm going to focus a lot of my efforts on, on building some profile, uh, or not profiles, but building some stories around Quinton Byfield, who's in his draft eligible year. I think he's going to be obviously he's highly touted right now, so I think he could end up being maybe one of the highest Wolf players ever to be drafted. Uh, and then also, as the team is kind of embracing its history, we're looking to celebrate that by retiring a few more numbers. So I think I'll have some projects around that once we decide whose numbers going to go to the rafters uh, in the next season. And then you can find my work with the Kings. I write for them more regularly. I do a lot of the the history kind of stuff, digging up some fun stories from the past, talking to former alumni um, about their time with the Kings and what they're up to now. Uh, and then, of course, my book, Hockey 365, is available wherever you like to buy books. Amazon, uh, you can get it there. You can get it at uh, brick-and-mortar stores as well. And it's 365 short hockey history stories, one for every day of the year. There are some flyer stories in there, including that crazy 35-game unbeaten streak in 7980. Um, I can't remember the other ones offhand, but the Flyers definitely kind of circle in and out of that story. There's the story about Bobby Clark and his draft day. Uh, there's some stories about Reggie Leach, um, who obviously I mentioned I have an affinity for. So again, if, if you want to find all that stuff, I post everything on my Twitter account, which is at Mike Comito. And real quick sidebar, following your Twitter is awesome for like little tidbits of hockey history. I love the little Thanks. on this day stuff. That's great. And I uh, love the little Ariana Grande news clipping thing. Yes. I had to show my wife that. And she goes, 
oh, wow, that's an unlucky girl. I'm like, you didn't read it, did you? <laughs> sure. yeah, that's, 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 that's one of the few moments in my in my world when my wife's interests and my hockey interests collide and she could understand right. you know, why that was cool and why I was getting named in articles. And I, I, did a, I actually did an interview on the, our local radio station for that tweet and I'm like this, this is why I tweet for these, right, exactly. these moments where it, gets, it blows up and it's cool and everyone kind of is like oh, that's a cool story that we wouldn't have otherwise known about Ariana Grande right. that's awesome dude well thank you again Mike we really appreciate you coming on and talking to us about some wingers here and my pleasure please be sure to follow Mike on Twitter but for now we must part I apologize we're definitely gonna <laughs> hey. we gotta have you on again here soon though this was I, a good I time mean, I, I survived so that's good I mean I, I, that's I was, I was not not to not to to play up too much that I was nervous about that top five, but I'm glad that that things went well. So I'd be happy to come back anytime. Absolutely, man. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. Okay, thanks, yes. guys. Have a good one, man. Take care. Yeah, you too. Oh, all right, we got through the top five. We got through the busts. We got through the underrated players, the wingers. I keep saying players. That's all right. That was been good. a long day for you, brother. It has, dude. That's yeah. uh, no. And that's Listen, actually going to lead us. I apologize. Go ahead. That was just that was awesome to have somebody who I mean clearly puts in a lot of research and has a passion for the history part of the game. Um, that it was just neat to get somebody else's feedback because you and me talking like it it only moves the bar so much as far as the intelligence level goes. But he made <laughs> us look good. Yeah, no, and that's I mean we've been talking with Mike for a couple of weeks now, and getting him on here, I feel like I mean this was this was fun, and it was good to talk right. to somebody again, hockey historian, somebody that knows their stuff, and not, I'm not saying we don't, but it's a different kind of aspect to it, right? Yeah. Definitely. So then we're gonna get into our next segment. What the? F- our wait, what segment for the week? We have not discussed this one bit. As and I hope we don't have the what. same thing. We may not. I, I don't think we will because I'm going to use mine as just kind of a a day in the life okay. of me. You guys are going to get bored. So, John, I yeah. say you take the reins on this one, my man. All right. So I don't know if you saw this yet, but and I I feel like I've been doing this the past couple episodes where I'm like, I'm not going to name drop, but like you have to name drop on this one. <laughs> Rob, Robin Leonard. Oh, Dude. Yes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Exactly what you're talking about. So his tweet says, you had one job, dot, 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 and then that little, like, thinking guy emoji. Yep. And it's a picture of his Masterson Memorial Trophy. And on the trophy, it reads, William Masterson Memorial Trophy, Robin Leonard, New York Rangers, 2018-19. He (laughs) played for the Islanders. Um, a team we don't like. <laughs> hell, does this happen? They're two very distinctly different teams. I mean, they only share the name New York, <laughs> and and you're the National Hockey League, and you're having these trophies made. They're big time awards, and you're going to get something wrong on them. That's a bad. Look. I'm, oh, it's a bad. Look, and you feel bad for this guy because the Masterson Trophy. If I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but it's for like the comeback player, yes, of it, the year. And and you know we all know his story with mental health and what he was able to overcome. 
and just that feeling of getting this trophy right and saying look what i accomplished look what i fought through and then the wrong team is on it that's a slap in the face to me at least like i that's yeah that's a messy situation (laughs) yeah so i feel bad for him but i couldn't not talk about it oh for sure i mean that you got to talk about it. They, the NHL really muffed up there, you know. <laughs> oh, well. um, my wait, what isn't necessarily a wait, what it's a wait, how. Um, so I, without going into like too much detail because it'll bore you guys to death. My wife and I have moved into a new house, and it's homeowners. it's been yeah homeowners yippee, um, thirty more years of mortgage yay, <laughs> but today was quote-unquote, the moving day. Uh, we rented the U-Haul. We loaded up all the heavy stuff, the big stuff, you know, the couches, the entertainment centers. And all day today, I've been carrying this and that and everything in here, putting stuff together and just... it's it. Don't get me wrong. I'm very happy that we're here. I love this place. We saw it, and as soon as we saw it, it was beautiful. But good God... I can't believe the amount of energy it took to get through the day today. And right now, I feel like I'm dragging, whether it seems like I am or not. But how in the world? I mean, you've been through the moves, you know? Moving sucks. It's, it's, I won't, I won't say it. It's a crap show. (laughs) Right. But it sucks, dude. And I'm really hoping that this is the house for us. I don't ever want to move ever again. <laughs> Never right. again. Um, yeah, man, props props to you for doing this tonight because yeah. I know how tiring it is. This is Devotion 101. There you go. And I'm the professor. Sit down, class. It's about to begin. <laughs> um, so with the Wait What segment being done, we're going to get to our Twitter questions, which we don't have a lot, but it kind of no. works out because we're running kind of late here. Right. <laughs> so... The first question that we have of two questions, or three if you count the two questions that one guy asked. Nick Hunsicker, when am I getting in? Getting in where? Yeah. Ponderosa? Uh, your girlfriend's pants. Uh, you know what? Hey, now. Hey, hey now. Never mind. Um, we, we are talking about having a couple people on here to state their case to be a part of us, but this is a two-man show. I, I hate right. to say it. Yeah, you're coming on to state your case, and then we're going to tell you no thanks. Yeah. So we, when you when you getting in? Probably never. 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 Love <laughs> you though, Nick. <laughs> yeah. No, don't get me wrong. I mean, we're this is fun. We enjoy interacting with everybody that likes to interact with us. Um, this is a two man show. I don't know what else you right. want me to say. But question number two comes from Nick as well. Do you think anyone on the team is fair game outside of Carter Hart? I'm assuming he's talking about trades. Is anybody fair game? Um, do you mind if I take this? You go for it, man. All right. I think that that whole train of thought where it's like, oh, we're just going to trade everybody. Like, that's done. We're done with that now. It's not like we're going to trade people for a bunch of prospects or whatever. Like, just stop even playing this game. We formed a team over the offseason that we feel like is going to compete. So I don't think they're thinking about anybody, like, trading them. They're not going to go, oh, Kevin Hayes is on the table. You know, Matt Niskanen is on the table. They're, they're not going to do that yet. You know, if we're disappointing people 
come the trade deadline, maybe that's a different conversation. Yeah. But right now, I mean, nobody's going to be traded. Yeah, Ron Hextall is, I'm pretty sure, and this isn't an inside source, he's Minnesota bound. Yep. I'm pretty sure he's going to end up as the Wilds GM because they've got some mess to clean up up there in Minnesota. Right. So those days are over. We're not stockpiling prospects like we have been. Right. Doesn't mean we're not going to draft good prospects. It just means that we're done thinking more about the draft than we are free agents, which is good. And we're certainly not thinking about who we're going to trade. Like you're not. You don't go into the season all gung ho and be like, "Who am I going to get rid of?" Yeah, this is uh, on paper right now. The Flyers have a pretty darn good team. Whether you want to yep. admit it or not, you've got the veterans on the blue line that'll offset the young you could call it naivety of some of the younger blue liners that the Flyers have right now. It's going to balance out. I think it's a great learning process for these younger guys. And then when it comes to the forwards, you've got a really good mix of younger players and veterans. And the veterans on the team are very strong. I mean, Giroux, Voracek, you know, Couturier, I guess you could call him a veteran at this point. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think the people that Fletcher would be willing to trade, nobody wants. Like, you know, Robert Haig. Yeah. So, yeah, if we want to have somebody on the table, there he is. Yeah, we've talked about Robert Haig's trade value, if you want to call it that. Um, He's not going anywhere. If anything, hopefully, he's our seventh defenseman. Right. So, anything else on the Nick front here? Nope. Nope. Okay, we're going to move on to our last question of the week. Comes from Peter Kalamis. Uh, this is Marlo. He changed his name. He's he's shifty. I this guy is trying to pull the wool over our eyes here. Um, he goes. Most Flyers fans get pissed. Coots didn't break the top twenty centers list. Who are the centers you would take for sure over Couturier? And he goes on to state that for him, he would only take eight centers over Couturier. Well, guess what I have up right now. I hope you recite it because I don't have it up right now. I have the list of the top 20. So once again, we could play that game. Let's play it. Let's All play. Right. Take that person <laughs> over Sean Couturier. Yay. So I'll just go down the list. You tell me whether you think they should be above Sean Couturier. That's what he wants to know? Who I'm up for it. Take, who you would take for sure over Coots. So okay. You would rather this person on your team than Couturier. I love these Number games. one, Connor McDavid. Yes. Yes. Number two, oh, God, Sidney Crosby. Uh, yeah. We have, to put, we have to put the flyer bias aside. A, a begrudgingly yes. Yes. <laughs> Number three, Nate McKinnon. Yeah. Yep. Number four, Alexander Barkov. 96 points last season. But yes, I think his progression is up and up and up. That's the the tough thing, though, with this list is they really base it off of last year and last year only. Recency bias, baby. Right, which makes it tough. But anyway, I'm on the fence with Barkov. I like him. I would love Barkov in a Flyers uniform, but one, that's not going to happen. And two, I don't have a two. (laughs) <laughs> number five, John Tavares. Yeah. Yes. Number six, Austin Matthews. Yes. Yes. Number seven, Patrice Bergeron. Ooh, this is where it gets intriguing for me. 
based on his career to this point, yep. Bergeron has been very, very good. Yep. But he's also the player that most people compare Sean Couturier to. Right. So he's like a He's like Sean Couturier after Sean Couturier gets through his career, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, maybe not as many Selkies, but it, let's, let's add at least one there. I think he's going to eventually win that. Right. So um, a no for now, or a yes for now, I should say. For now. Yeah, yeah, because he's like a polished Sean Couturier. Exactly. Right. Very well put. Steven Stamkos. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Mark Shifley. Ooh, this is a tough one too because it's Winnipeg, and and I'll be honest, I don't watch too much Winnipeg, you know, and they're a small market team in Canada, so you don't get too much publicity. But I did take a look; he had thirty eight goals last season and a career high eighty four points. So, but that's a career I mean, high. Yeah, um, so, so it's tough. I'm not taking him over Couturier. No, I I honestly wouldn't, and that's number nine on their list. Yep. Yep. So we've taken eight of the eight of the first nine for the most part. I feel like I, I believe Peter Kalamis, number one fan, is Nate Marlowe because we've had questions before from him. Okay, Nate, okay. I'm gonna agree with you, barring any other names later on in the list. If we decide to go forward with that, oh, I'm going forward. Oh, we're gonna go forward. Okay, um, so we'll do these. We'll do these quicker. We're gonna rattle them off. Yep, Braden Point. Ooh. Yes, just because points young. 23-year-old. I mean... Yeah. A lot of time. Yep. Tyler Sagan. Ooh. Maybe not. Yeah, it's uh, tough because there's so many things to factor in on whether we would take them because you're thinking contract and all that other stuff. This list just seems all over the place. Right. (laughs) Well, it's hard to compile one of these things because there are so many factors. We could spend an entire episode talking about this. Like, that's how intricate this list could be i think for one season if i were to take him next year i might take sagan over couturier i might take couturier over sagan all right well here's an interesting one ready number 12 ryan o'reilly i'm going a hard no a hard no you're not taking couturier no i'm not taking o'reilly over couturier hard no I'm not going to necessarily say a hard no, but I'll say a softer, softer no. Softer spoken no? Softer spoken no. like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> um, okay, Evgeny Malkin. Yes, just because Malkin's a POS, and I've seen Couturier dominate him defensively, so he can S-A-D, which stands for suck something. Yep. Uh, hey, now. Yep. You're, you're toting that line today, Ben. I toe the line. So That's you're what saying, I do. You're saying yes, you would take Malgan, or yes, you would take Couturier? Yes, I'd take Couturier, and yes, okay. I also walk that line, similar to Johnny Cash. Oh, shut up. Oh, anyway, number 14. Line. That's my <laughs> shtick. Sebastian Ajo. Yes, I'm taking Couturier over him. Yep. Jack Eichel. No. No, me neither. Just because of what Eichel I mean, alone in a vacuum is a very, very good hockey player. Right. He just has, you he's know, buffalo. the curse of being in Buffalo. Yeah, he's All a right. saber. 
I think all of these are going to end up being no. Evgeny Kuznetsov? No. Logan Couture? No. no. I'm answering that for you. No. Yeah. I mean, well, we flipped here because early on it was like, are you going to take Couturier over this guy? And it was, yes, I'll take uh, Couturier. So, yeah, but, you know, I'm taking Couturier over Couture because right. his name's longer and it's kind of the same. Nicholas Baxter. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm taking Couturier taking over him. Yes, and now we just completely screwed this up. Flipping the Sean Monahan. I'm taking Couturier over Sean Monahan. Yep. And Elias Pettersson. I am definitely taking Wait, him is... over Pettersson. Close. Yeah, this is tough, though. What's the sample size on Pettersson? He's young. I know. If he's more consistent, uh, say three years from now we're doing this podcast, and Elias Pettersson has put up consecutive like 80-point seasons – and Couturier hasn't, I'd be like, okay, maybe I'll take Pedersen over Couturier. Couturier, though, the wild card with him is the fact that his defensive game is just so well-rounded. Right. And that's that weighs heavily for me because I like defensively sound guys, especially if they're on the top line. Because that's not a top-line right. characteristic that many people are like, they need to have that. When he was like, right. the, what, our third-line center? He was expected to do that. Now on the first line, he's still doing it, but right. also producing offensively. Yeah. I mean, when I look at this list, I think if Kateria could have at least cracked the top 15, I would have been all right. Leaving him out of the top 20 is egregious. And that's right. I'm trying to put my bias aside, but come on, man. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, well, there you go. We kind of answered your question. Yeah, so uh, a little more in-depth, I guess, than we should have gone. But regardless, we went in-depth. Couturier is probably safe to say top 10 to top 15 center in the NHL right, right. now. Well, it's been, a, it's been a long episode, but this has been a fun one. Yeah, a little change of pace. Definitely. Having a guest on is definitely different. And having to interact with somebody other than ourselves, which, you know, we're pretty good at to this point, but it's still fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. You know, and Mike was a, a phenomenal guest. We had a great time with him. You can always find his stuff on Twitter as well. His Twitter's very informative. Um, yeah. A lot of this day in hockey history. But as opposed to Mike, John, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at John P. Gove. Um, Twitter name's buff, but whatever. It's summertime. Some, some, yeah. summertime. Um, and you can find my articles at Philly Sports Network. And you can find my voice here. Summertime. The living's easy. Oh, yeah. And I'm Puck Bob PSN. That's Twitter. You can find me there. You can find my work on PSN, Philadelphia Sports Network. Folks, you can find the Pod Street Bullies, which is us, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker. You can find us on iHeartRadio as well. There's a lot of other ones. I believe we're going to be coming up here on Google Play soon because I might have put in for that. We're going to. Yeah, boy. Yeah, you'll find YouTube. us. YouTube. YouTube. You listen son. to things on YouTube without. I said that funny. YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> um. I mean, you don't get to see us, but you can listen to us on YouTube, I guess. We're not much to look at. I speak from experience here, but I'm not I much mean, to look at. He's only talking about himself. Yes. I'm spoken for anyway, so. Right. We should get out of here. <laughs> We're going to get out of here, <laughs> folks. You, you have a wonderful rest of your week. And as always, let's go Flyers. Bye now. <laughs>